Hans Kohlberg is the author of Baby Aviva Orangutan Diva, a number one best-selling children's book. He wrote the book to commemorate the life of his daughter Aviva, who sadly passed away at 10 months old due to medical complications. This episode, Hans speaks on the grieving journey after the loss of a child, ways friends can best support those going through grief, and how his perspective changed on life after facing such a tragedy. I have written, you know, a book along the lines of Dad Hacks. Um, it's, it's basically about 80% finished. It just hasn't, I haven't just hit that last last gear uh, to put it in. Um, but in terms of children's stories, I basically make up stories every single night at, at bedtime with my, my kids. And uh, it's a different story, different plot, different twist, different characters every single time. And it's, it's so it's, um, it's a practice and it's a habit um, that I'm actually used to. And so actually putting that into, you know, pages and illustrations uh, was something I've always wanted to do, but never got the chance to do. And, and this was definitely kind of that, that button that you know, pushed me over the edge to do it. So, yeah. And, and it's one of those things where you're quite a creative person in your mind. So you, you always have these ideas floating around your head. And I guess the ideal audience would be to test them on your children, test out these stories and see how they, how they do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and really just seeing, you know, what, uh, what makes them laugh, what makes them, you know, interested and seeing what actually captures their attention, because that's like the most important thing. Um, if, if you don't have their attention, then they don't really care. Um, but yeah, I mean, from animal sounds to alliterations to rhymes, um, illustrations are a really big part of it. And so I spent a lot of time um, finding my illustrator called Mefford, who did an amazing job. Uh, I, I can brag about him. I won't brag about the book, but I'll brag about Carl. He, he did an amazing job and, uh, and just had a lot of fun actually doing all of the, the process of going from stick figures, if you will, to, to even like paginations, to putting the words on the page, to character illustrations. It was really, really cool. Um, yeah and the process of writing a children's book is you know you've got to be visual first you can't just write a big block of descriptive text it's got to be completely visual from from the jump right yeah no there is and so a lot you kind of spend the first part kind of setting the stage setting the background um you know building a little bit about the character's personalities Mm -hmm. um and usually the best stories kind of have a crescendo kind of have a climax of you know something that a fork in the road, something that could could actually go right or wrong, or some decisions being made, or some rescue mission, um, and then and then a resolution at the end. Um, usually, with children books, it's, it's it's a good ending, but uh, you know that's that's you know, the the way we do it. So. Yeah, uh, the, odd, the odd thing I always find is with children's entertainment or children's kind of fiction in general is it's made by adults. It's, you never get children to sit down and and give you the ideas or anything. <laughs> it's made by adults for children but your reason for making the book is a lot kind of deeper than I assume most children's authors kind of things are like I'm, I'm not sure if you're open to talking about the, the reason why you started writing the book but it is a very deep and kind of heartfelt message that you're trying to get across through the book I I, I absolutely want to you know I really love about talking about my daughter talking about Aviva and, and uh, one of the misconceptions about grief um, is that we don't want to talk about our loved ones but um parents especially if you know anyone um any parent that has lost a child um 100 you know, almost 100 of them that i i meet and that i know and for myself do love talking about our child um because it's you know uh you know the only thing that we actually have left of them um is to actually are their memories um and, and to really share their stories um you know when parents lose a child 
they not only grieve the the loss of the child itself, but also grieve the future and mm. what future that child uh, can have. Um, someone said to me yeah, a couple of days after Aviva died, uh, you know, when when you lose your parent, you lose your past. When you lose your spouse, you lose your present. And when you lose your child, you lose your future. And, you know, I don't know who told that person to, t- <laughs> to tell me that, but that couldn't be like the worst thing to say. Uh, to a parent that lost a child, because first of all, I, I don't believe that Aviva has lost a future. Um, I believe that she actually has a lot of impact that she can have on people, a lot of positive impact. And um, you know, thinking about uh, a year ago when when she passed, uh, you know, among the tragic grief that I had, it was also you know thinking about the fact that she wouldn't meet those friends, those kindergartners, you know, those people in high school, those you know, college friends. And, and later in life, you know, have, have a family of her own, um, she would never get those opportunities. And, um, and when you go to a funeral, you, you tend to hear, um, you know, this person affected me in this positive manner, or I'll, I'll always remember this story about that person. But because Aviva was born in January 2020, um, during the midst of COVID, um, not many people got to actually meet her. I would say less than 20 people, like total um, in, in her life, in her 10 months and, and 13 days of life. Um, even my own brother never got to meet his, his niece. And so, um, however, she did, you know, uh, have a significant effect on me, a profound effect, um, with her joyous laughter, her, her vivacious personality and her love uh, for food and for life and for people. Um, and my goal through creating baby Aviva Rangatan Diva is to really spread her message, her light, her life, her love. Um, to all of those that, that will never get to meet her, especially children, um, but also those adults uh, reading to those those children. Um, you know, there's 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 tons of different messages. I'll definitely get into that in the book. But um, just thinking about that um, really special bond between a parent and a child when they're reading the book together. Uh, in most cases, it's something that I certainly want to pass on and want to really create. It's, it's you know one of the most special times of my day. Uh, every single day when I get to read my, read books to my, my children. So um, that is the inspiration behind the book. There's a lot of messages in the book, um, but yeah, so that's why I created it. It's one of those things where, you know, death for most people, they view it as the end of something, but what you've seen it as is this is the beginning of something or, you know, the way I've always seen it is one thing you're promised if you're alive is that you'll die and you don't know when the two will meet. Do you know what I mean? As in when, you'll finally get to that that end place or you know that place of of not existing in this realm but to lose a a, a child or a baby is is a completely different level of grief that I certainly don't know and I, I hope that I would never know but at, at such a young age you said she was 10 months and, and 14 days and especially in the midst of COVID this would maybe have been the most time you would have ever spent with with a newborn ba- your own newborn child yeah yeah, no, I, I, you know, in terms of COVID, um, it was awfully, you know, awfully hard on all, all of us and having three kids under three years old was, was certainly tough to manage, but I would say there, there are silver linings of that time period and, you know, being able to, to stay at home, I was working from home and being able to care for her, put her down to nap, you know, four or five times a day, feeding her, um, having her work underneath my desk, um, or, or play underneath my desk rather, um, you know, she, she was such a big part of me and I got to be more hands-on with her than my other two ch- children. And, um, and, and 
you know, what you said about, about grief, yes, it's very misunderstood. Um, we, we don't actually understand it. Uh, a lot of parents um, actually, you know, turn inward and don't really like to talk about it. Um, others, myself um, included, I, I actually do like you know, really speaking about her. It's, it's the, the only thing that I have left. Um, when, when, uh, when someone, you know, checks in and, and says, how you doing? And, and thinking about Aviva, that really makes my day. And that really um, allows me to, you know, know that she's still living. And even though physical death is a certainty, every single person will uh, endure that. Um, the love that, you know, a father has for his daughter will, will never die, um, or a parent has for their child will never die. That That is eternal. Um, and, and then impact, um, the, the positive impact uh, and the relationships that we have with people um, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't die. Um, so there, there are things that really, you know, extend beyond physical life, um, that, that I'm really, you know, uh, I'm really motivated and, and really inspired, uh, by my daughter to really create that future for her. And, you know, the book is one thing, but there's, you know, certainly a lot of other things that are, uh, that we've been doing to really commemorate her life, but really bring, um, happiness, joy to others, and really the overwhelming sense that I have in terms of, you know, this, this state where I'm, I'm in, where uh, you just feel like nothing else matters. Yeah, all, all of those things that you thought mattered, you know, the jobs, the house, the, what, what the salary, whatever else it is um, just kind of goes out the window. But for me, what matters the most right now is, is actually helping others. And, um, and if I can help other grievers actually um, by telling my story, um, by explaining to, you know, the supporters, the colleagues, the friends, the family of grievers of what this journey actually looks like on the inside, uh, and how society in general can actually help, um, those grievers, those that are going through really difficult times. Um, you know, that's a mission that, that I'm on as well. There's, there's a, there's a whole, um, uh, other book, uh, that I'm writing, uh, along those topics. Um, this is, this is more of an adult book, but, um, but in terms of, you know, uh, what I would say to grief or anyone that, that knows someone who is grieving, you know, just reach out to them. Um, a lot of times there's a misconception that we want to be left alone. Um, you know, the, the journey itself is so isolating. Uh, but when we don't hear from the outside world, um, some friends of mine, I, I still haven't heard in over a year. Um, it's, it's, it's hurtful. It's, it's even more isolating. So, um, you know, I, I would say it's, you know, if, if there's one message of how do we actually best help those going through grief, you know, send them a text, send them a message, send them uh, an email or, or give them a call, um, just check in. Um, because even if we don't respond, um, that is actually uh, one of the most helpful things that you can do uh, just to know, let you know, let us know that, that we're being thought about. So, yeah. And one thing a lot of people have said, to me over my time of, of grieving people that have died in my life is the grief doesn't get smaller life just kind of grows and the grief stays the same size if not you know what I mean it expands throughout it but one thing I've noticed from what you're saying to me is that if it wasn't for what had happened with Aviva you one wouldn't be doing what you're doing now and two you wouldn't have developed the urge you have now to help other people like you you started a foundation I believe for uh, helping women get into medicine or something like that. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's actually a continuation. So it's, um, you know, part of a nonprofit that, um, my, 
my wife and I, along with a, a, one other co-founder created um, about seven years ago, it's called Open Dreams. Um, it's a college access organization uh, helping students primarily in Africa um, that are high achieving uh, but low income students um, get into universities, but more importantly, get full scholarships, 100% tuition paid. Um, because we know that it, for us, education is paramount. You know, that, that is almost a dividing line between, um, you know, opportunities in life. Um, obviously, there's except, exceptions to every rule, um, but especially college education, um, the networks that you build, the material that you learn um, is very important. And so um, our co-founder is Cameroonian, and, and he actually um, was come from a, from a small uh, farming village, did very well in school, valedictorian wanted to actually uh, apply to um, Western universities and uh, didn't know the process, didn't understand, um, you know, how to navigate the SATs, the college application process, the interview process, but came across a volunteer worker and uh, from the U.S. and um, with her help was able to navigate that uh, and end up getting a full scholarship um, here in the U.S. Has since gone on to do amazing things. He's worked at Goldman Sachs. He's gone to Harvard uh, Business School. Now he's an entrepreneur actually helping uh, back, back in Cameroon, actually helping um, for, for different causes there. So um, we know that education can unlock a lot of opportunities. Um, and over the last seven years, we've helped over um, uh, 200 students get full scholarships uh, through our program um, just by connecting them with the opportunity and, and building those bridges, using the mentor uh, type of mentorship type of model by connecting mentors, you know, uh, that care um, to, to students that really definitely deserve uh, these opportunities and, and these chances. And so um, after Aviva died uh, last year, um, you know, one of the uh, still painful things about, about her life um, was that she never actually had a diagnosis. Um, the doctors, um, never were able to kind of figure out what the cause of death was. Um, she was having um, not a chronic illness, but a um, intermittent uh, type of illness where she would have uh, sleep or breathing apnea and uh, slow heart rate called bradycardia um, among other symptoms uh, starting at the, her, her ninth day of life and start, starting at day nine. Um, she had thousands of different tests, genetic, environmental, um, spinal taps even, uh, anything that everything that you can imagine, but she never really um, was able to be diagnosed. Um, she had it every every couple months. Um, it, it happened, uh, but she would always get back to to full bill of health. And she had um, she was a thriving, you know, normal baby girl. All of these other times, but unfortunately, her sixth time, um, you know, when she went to the hospital, we thought it would be the same thing. We thought she would. Um, you know, be down a little bit and, and then recover within 24 hours. But that wasn't the case. Um, uh, she, she didn't, didn't make it that time. Uh, it's, it came as a shock, came as a surprise, uh, given, you know, what the, what the history was and the pattern was. And, and so, um, you know, through that, uh, obviously that, that was uh, the very toughest day of, of my life, my wife's wife uh, life. Um, and, and, um, it, it was just completely emotional, completely um, devastating. But um, on top of that, after you know, after that happened, we tried to we did an autopsy um, that revealed nothing. Uh, we we didn't have any answers. Um, even now, a year later, we still don't know. And so, 
whether it was you know something subcellular or or, or whatnot it's it certainly wasn't SIDS because um, uh, that that might be a misconception it wasn't SIDS um, you know we we uh, are, are still trying to figure out um, but what we realized is that you know doctors don't really know everything there's there's really a limited a finite amount of knowledge um, even though we think you know these these guys in these white coats um, and gals in the white coats, they, they know everything, but it's, it's not, not the case. And, um, me coming from a data driven background, actually, that's, that's kind of my core career. Um, I just think there's, there can be a lot more, uh, advancements and in innovation in medicine. If we were able to unlock a lot of the data that is really sitting in different silos and really, um, you know, not being used for practical purposes and for diagnostic purposes in particular. And so, um, so the scholarship fund that was set up in Aviva's name is, is called the Aviva Lilia Women in Science Scholarship Fund, um, which is kind of a, a subset of, of Open Dreams. Um, we're really looking to empower a lot of women or, or at least a few women um, to, to pursue studies in medicine um, with the intent of actually using a data-driven approach to science. Um, and so that is a, a specific um, yeah, thing that we're trying to solve uh for for um in medicine yeah uh, one thing is about medicine and most fields to be honest it's mostly you know male dominated and you know let's say you know white male dominated which is like a, a double kind mm -hmm. of you know yep. problem at the moment is you know finding ethnic diversity and also finding you know gender diversity whether it's you know they them pronouns or trans people or women or whatever but mm. also these people have different problems and experiences that won't be medically kind of uh, I guess the word is investigated because to a man, what do I care about periods? Do you know what I mean? Or to, to a grown man, what do I care about illnesses in babies? But for a woman, they would care about illnesses in babies because they have to take care of babies. They'd care about periods because they have periods. Trans people would care about, you know, post-op recovery stuff and hormone medicines. Yeah. And it's funny how over the course of COVID, I've come to more of a realization of how quick things can happen medically if people are just put behind the problem. I didn't really yeah. realize that a lot of people aren't put behind problems. That's why they kind of just remain problems or, you know, a lot of things that I guess could have, could have, or will be in the future kind of unravel to us. It's literally just because no one's there doing it. These aren't the, the revenue producing things, or there's no fund for people to be able to explore things that might, you know, pique their interest. And so yeah. the Aviva Lily Foundation is at least allowing people from a, a different area of, of the world and of life, a chance to yeah. jump into that field. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I, I, you know, completely you know, believe in uh, the power of, of different perspectives and having different life experiences um, to be able to make these these decisions. And yeah, when we were you know sitting in those rooms with a bunch of you know white male doctors, um, you know, six seven of them sitting around, you know, uh, <laughs> trying scratching their heads and putting their heads together and trying to figure this out. Um, you know, they all come from the same school of thought and, and many times similar type of experiences. But, um, you know, I, as a, as a child of uh, a Filipino mother, as well as a Swedish father, um, you know, I, I, and growing up in North Carolina, uh, in the, in the States, I just felt, you know, like a fish out of water many times, but, um, I think there's a lot of things, you know, we all can learn from everybody else. Um, everybody has, has something intelligent and, and knowledge to share, but, um, but especially in those settings and in, in my, you know, 
in, in, in our case, I believe that there's a lot of things that are preventing data from being used and shared. And, you know, we, we imagine that there could have been, you know, some other doctor around the world um, or, or baby who has experienced exactly the exact same thing that Aviva did, but yet because of privacy concerns and HIPAA and compliance and lawsuits and malpractice and uh, a lot of other things that kind of, uh, you know, keep innovation at a minimum, uh, if, if you will, um, in, in medicine, um, it's, it's, you know, completely frustrating. Um, I, I think, um, you know, she could have had a chance maybe in, in, in a different world, but um, I think that's, that's the envelope that we are, that, that I do, you know, want to see. Um, obviously, privacy has its place and, and, and reasons, but um, I do believe that, you know, being able to share inf- information, maybe in an in encrypted manner, um, can actually, you know, solve a lot of those problems. Yeah. And kind of back to the book and back to yeah. unique standpoints that, you know, need to be shared with people. What are some of the like the themes of the story of of uh, Aviva the orangutan diva? What what happens in there? Does she get up to like a whole yeah. bunch of hijinks, or is she like on a learning journey? Because <laughs> you know, kids' books all have different kind of moods and vibes they're trying to give off to the children. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I would, I would actually want to explain you know why the orangutan and um, you know orangutans. First of all, they're they're very overlooked um, animals. They're amazing. They're super smart. Uh, they can learn sign animals. language and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they they are super smart. They're one of the smartest animals in the world. Um, they're part of the ape family, which you, you think about gorillas and you think about chimpanzees, but um, orangutans are in in the ape family. And you you see a lot of children's books about gorillas and monkeys. Um, you know, Curious George stands out, but but not too much. Uh, you know, the orangutans don't get too much love. But the reason uh, for for orangutan, uh, we live in San Diego, and and there's a really fabulous zoo here. Um, and one of our very last experiences, this was uh, three days before Aviva passed, we went to the San Diego Zoo, um, lawn day at the park, had all the kids, you know, everyone was was having a great time seeing the elephants and the lions and everything else. Um, and it's about two o'clock at this time in the afternoon. And uh, the kids, it's right about nap time. They, they're about to pass out. They're kind of um, rolling around on the ground and throwing some temper tantrums. But Aviva was sitting in my, my pallet shoot. I was carrying her and, and she had already slept during the day. And, uh, we got to the orangutans. That was the last exhibit. And, and we were just looking at them and she was infatuated. She was just really entranced with, um, with these creatures, these, these beings and, um, just watching them, you know, swing and, and climb up different, um, you know, tree structures and eat bananas. Um, and, and we stayed there for about 20 minutes, uh, just marveling at, at these, uh, orangutans. And so that, that is the reason, um, why I've chose orangutan to kind of represent my daughter. Um, but in terms of, you know, what the book, you know, the, the plot outline, uh, she's this vibrant singing, loving, uh, joyous, um, dancing little baby orangutan, just, just a little wee bit, just very, very small. And, um, she is a big eater. Um, the, the, the village that she's in is actually out of food. They don't have any bananas. And so she has to cross this river that's filled with crocodiles um, into this part of the jungle that's protected by these uh, ferocious beasts, this, this tiger, um, you know, to get the only bananas that are out there. And so um, she enlists the help of her friend, Sophia, the elephant, uh, which is actually her real life sister um, and swings across uh, jumps in the trees. And then all of a sudden she spots these, this, this, this tiger and the tiger gives a big and, uh, and she gets frightened, but 
Um, but then thinking about, about this a little bit, she, she says, you know, you know, maybe, uh, maybe there is something I can do to kind of, uh, win over this tiger's heart. And so she ju just starts singing and lo and behold, before you know it, this, the, uh, the tiger just starts swaying to the beat and starts dancing, uh, to the rhythm. And then she swings down from the tree and, and they start dancing together, um, you know, become really good friends. Uh, they're, they're dancing the whole afternoon and ends up, end up, um, taking a break to have something to eat. Cause they're, they're really hungry. Um, Tito, the tiger offers up a, a piece of meat and she says, ah, I actually do you have a banana please. And, uh, he's like, yeah, sure. All you really had to do is, is ask. And, um, and she gets the bananas and, and, um, brings back a bunch of bananas back to her village, uh, her community and, and saves the day for, for them. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it was the realization that she was true to herself, um, just being true to who she is as a person, using those inner strengths to really overcome the, that adversity, that challenge, that, you know, um, really, really difficult challenge of, you know, facing, facing this beast. And so some of the underlying messages of the book um, really are about the power of teamwork, knowing that, you know, we, we can't do anything by ourselves. Um, enlisting the help of an elephant or even the tiger to really help you out. That's, that's the first part about your journey, you know, um, uh, and then asking for help as well, you know, asking, um, you know, the elephant for help, asking the tiger, you know, if you don't, if you don't ask, uh, you won't, you know, you won't get whatever, whatever you're looking for. If it's a job promotion, if it's, uh, you know, something that you want in life, um, you have to ask. And then, um, and then uh, a lot of it is about conquering fears, facing challenges, but by using your own inner strengths, um, you know, kids, you know, this day and forever have, have always had different uh, challenges that they face, maybe bullies in school, or maybe um, getting bad grades in class or whatever it is. Um, there's challenges that, that they face. And it's a very, you know, it's a very hard world, but um, the, the point of the book is really looking inwards. And, and the lesson is, you know, trying to understand what do we have to offer? Um, no, she didn't have physical strength. She wasn't going to beat uh, this tiger by brute force, but she could with a little bit of, of charm, of grace, of, of dancing abilities. Um, and that's what she had to offer the world. And I think we all have something to offer um, to make this world a better place, um, which is actually uh, the other thing is, is really you know, doing something for your community, um, you know, coming back with the bananas and um, and, and finding fulfillment in that. And I think, um, you know, the, the place that I am in my life, um, having had a successful business career and, and nonprofit, um, for me, it's really about, um, it's, it's really about finding fulfillment in helping others. And, and that's what I feel an overwhelming sense of, of desire and actually need, uh, to do actually on, on my grieving journey, um, helping others, uh, in very small ways, it could be a you know, smiling and waving to a person as you're crossing them on a the street. Um, you know, helping others really helps us kind of attain that self-actualization, that fulfillment that we have in life. And so, um, those are the messages. Um, it, it's it sounds like a lot to be compact in in one uh, children's book and and rhyming at that, but it's um, it's a message that I kind of wanted to get out in the world and and really you know, a way to commemorate my daughter with the explicit intent of, of trying to spread her story um, in a positive way. Yeah. And it's a, it's a number one best-selling book, which is always something that, you know, kind of makes the, what I like to say is uh, the juice worth the squeeze as in you've put in all this effort and now you have this lovely kind of 
medal of honor type thing so yeah what was the process like of getting the book distributed or even getting the book published per se did you kind of self-publish or did you go to an author because i know everyone's roots into authorship are different yeah no no definitely i i definitely explored both um you know looking down the path of uh traditional publishing you know getting the agent getting you know going to a publishing house you know writing letters etc it's it's hard as as a very new author um you know if you don't have any kind of credentials to stand upon um you know someone's going to have to take a risk on you at the end of the day that process can actually take you know three or four years it's not it's not a quick overnight thing um obviously there's a limited number of books uh any any publishing house can actually publish um and lots of authors want want to get their word out there and um you know, we, all of us, all authors have a different purpose of, of trying to sell their book. And it's usually a message they're trying to get across to the reader. But, um, for me, uh, the, the sole goal of this book is really to, um, to get it in, a, in as many hands and, and as many readers as possible. Um, and so, and I wanted to do it in, in more of a timely fashion. And so, um, I did go the self-publishing route. Um, the other thing it, it allowed me to do was actually have a lot more creative control, uh, over the process. And so, um, you know, finding my own illustrator and including a lot of symbolism in a lot of the, uh, illustrations that you see, um, you'll see that she's actually swinging through the redwood jungles, uh, sorry, the jungle, um, that actually has redwood trees, which is, you know, completely out of place. Um, but the reason I included that was, was that, uh, we had a couple uh, ventures to the California uh, redwoods, which are, are just a magical place. Um, Another uh, pose that she has uh, in the book is, you know, she's surfing almost down, down a tree. Um, I'm a big surfer and, and I always really thought about, you know, being able to surf with my, my kids and, and thinking about that, um, you know, the fact that she won't be able to have that opportunity, um, you know, at least she's doing it here in the book. And um, there, there's just, you know, some, some other cute symbolic things like that, um, that made the, the illustration process really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, what I would say the hardest part and uh, of, of publishing a book is distribution and really getting it, uh, marketing and distribution, getting it in the hands of as many people as possible. And so um, I, I kind of joined uh, a community that's called Self-Publishing School, uh, full of a lot of different authors um, of all different genres, all different backgrounds, um, not just children book authors. And, um, and, and there's you know, different best practices to kind of go uh, forward with your book and getting that, you know, out into the world as, as best as you can. So with Amazon, um, which is primary distribution channel, um, it's really, it's really difficult. Well, you really need to make a big splash at the beginning, your first 30 days in, in particular, um, you need to be getting the book out, selling the book, doing promos, um, but also getting reviews importantly, just getting, um, those reviews of the book. And so, um, a lot of authors you know, support each other, uh, given that we know uh, the journey that that the difficult journey that we're all on, and and so there's a launch team that that I created um, to just get you know people buying the book and, and actually leaving reviews, and so um, so that you know that lasts for a, the first couple of weeks, but then above, above and beyond that, it's obviously contacts and friends and 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 social media. Um, but then, you know, outside the circle is actually just reaching out. Um, for me, it's to mommy bloggers, uh, or teachers or schools. Um, I just did my very first live reading last week to, at my children's school, which has, um, brought so much joy, joy into my life. Um, 
and uh and then you know and then finding any other kind of creative mediums so uh podcasts are definitely uh definitely a big one so thank you sam for, for letting me come here on on the show um but yeah i mean different people have different authors have different reasons they write the book uh for me it's it's really about um getting that out there getting my daughter's story out into the world and and reflecting that positive light um and so uh so it's just been a been a joy it, it doesn't feel like um you know, a lot of times it's, it's kind of like chest beating or, or kind of ego stroking to kind of get your book out there. Um, but for me, there's, there's a higher purpose of this. Um, it's, it's all about my daughter. And actually that's, that's the last thing I would say is, um, the very last page, if you do get the book, um, actually has a little picture of, of my daughter, Aviva, as well as a little blurb, um, about who she was as a person. Um, so, uh, that was very important to include. Yeah. And I, I'd say one thing about the kind of process of of helping other authors out and you know getting other people to to buy your book is that moment where you realize that you've got a sale from somebody that you actually can't track who that is you don't know who that is you're like wow some stranger is now reading something that I spent hours and hours pouring over and it's a it's a weird realization to come to that you get to a point where you go all the people that I know and love or the all the people that I've directly spoken to, okay, yeah, they've read the book and yeah, they loved it or they, whatever, they've they've seen it. Yeah. But someone has yeah. come across my work and gone, oh yeah, this looks all right. And now it's in their house and they've read it to their child. And that moment of intimacy is, you know, so so great that you you can't even really fathom what that's like, what the, the impact you're having on people's lives across the world or across the US and the West. Yeah, and it's... um you know, just to give it insight in, ter in terms of how that actually feels. Um, when my when my daughter passed, it was almost as if kind of this cup of joy, you know, that, that I had for her was completely emptied. Um, if, if you imagine just like water in a, in a cup, you know, my, my, I, I just felt completely lost, completely um, gutted in terms of, in terms of happiness and joy. And, um, and I, I felt this overwhelming, need and, and urge to, to really make sure that my daughter still has a, a really great future. Um, even to this day, I, I still think about, you know, where she is and what she's doing um, in heaven or elsewhere. And, um, and so I really read, wrote the script within a week or two after she passed um, with that intent. Um, but, you know, I, there's certainly a lot of family and friends that say great things and, and, and it's really meaningful um, getting there. Uh, messages and getting their text messages um, with pictures of them reading to their little ones is, is certainly, um, you know, fills my cup of joy with just one drop at a time. Um, and, and that's, you know, just putting one step in, in, in front of the other, as you go, as I go through this grief journey, um, you actually don't realize how much it actually means to me um, to see those messages. Um, you know, even the reviews um, are really nice to see. But yeah, when when strangers and, and now it's kind of getting to that stage where there's there's enough momentum that um, you know I'm not I, I don't recognize who's leaving reviews and I don't recognize who's uh, um, buying the book. It's it's very meaningful. Um, it's it's incredibly meaningful and it just makes me know that um, that reader and that parent uh, or that teacher they're they're getting to know Aviva um, in a very unique way that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise and, and she's getting to leave her mark on this world. And so that's, you know, my, my explicit objective for this. Yeah. And, and what's kind of been like your biggest takeaway from losing your daughter and writing this book, you know, as let's say you're just over a year out away from, you know, this, this horrible event happening. 
what have you kind of learned from this process or what have you yeah. kind of realized over that time? Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's a very good question. Um, in terms of, you know, grief, I didn't know anything about grief. I probably couldn't even spell grief before, uh, before this happened. And, um, you know, I was, I've been blessed with a lot of amazing things in my life. Um, you know, I've been blessed with amazing family in my life, which is certainly the most important, um, to me, but I never imagined for, for once I, I thought, you know, tragedies like this, it, it happens, you know, elsewhere, it happens in different countries or it happens to different people, but that would never happen to me. It, it was just kind of this naive optimism almost, um, maybe even a self-defense mechanism. Um, but what it, I ended up doing uh, was really actually embracing the process of grief as much as I could. And, and anything that I do, um, you know, sports, school, work, otherwise, um, I'm doing it 120%. And, and so I said, you know, let's, you know, let, let me take this time. I took five months off of work. I, I um, went in, uh, went in and, and started reading, um, just reading um, about 30 different books on you know, grief and afterlife and um, child loss, uh, just to understand, um, are these, you know, emotions that I'm feeling normal? Are these actions that I'm taking normal? Um, you know, the five stages of grief by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, it's not linear. Um, there, there's lots of different, you know, stages that we experience at different times, anger, shock, uh, bargaining, acceptance. Um, and, um, and so, you know, supporting, my wife, who's going on a very different journey, um, was really important because I know the statistics say 50% or, or so of marriages actually split up after a tragic loss. But a lot of times the reason is not the loss itself, but the difference in grieving journeys and how we actually traverse that. Um, and, you know, one person might want to move on and one other person might be stuck in the past and, and, and then not being on the same page um, or not, not actually understanding that we, we both go through different processes is, is important. So, um, so, so I, I would say, you know, luckily we, we both acknowledge that and we both, you know, realize that and, and have supported each other. Um, but I would say, you know, along this long process, uh, I I've gained a perspective on, um, on two things in particular. Um, one is really, uh, cherishing my children, cherishing the time that I have with them, um, those precious moments that we have. Um, I, it's the, the realization that I'll never, ever, you know, for the rest of my life will ever say, you know, this is a perfect life or this is a perfect day. Um, I think we as a society kind of, um, you know, extol those, um, those happy moments, the, you know, the, the weddings and the baby showers and gender reveals and new jobs and everything else. And you put that out on social media, put that on Twitter, but we don't actually talk about, you know, some of the saddest moments in their life. And, 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 um, and it doesn't necessarily get enough fanfare. Um, society doesn't know how to actually embrace that. Um, but what I have realized is that even though I can't have a perfect life, I, I can't have a perfect moment and cherishing the moments that I have, you know, the times that, um, you know, the beautiful times that I have with, with my children, but even, even the, uh, the times my son just an hour ago, he was throwing a, a temper tantrum and he was, it was just uncontrollable. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, I, I couldn't calm him down for, for any reason, but, um, I take a step back now and, and say, you know, I'm very grateful for actually having that opportunity to, um, to 
you know, witness him throwing this temper tantrum or, you know, witness them, you know, having a poopy diaper and, and, and I have to, um, you know, change them. And, um, and those are the things that, that I wish I could, um, I could have with Aviva. Uh, I, I wish I could have those back, but the perspective is that, you know, I'm, I'm cherishing every single moment that with my children. And that's a perspective that I've learned through, through my process. Um, but it's something that I, I want to share. And I actually want to kind of bequeath that to others um, that are parents uh, that do have children to really, you know, appreciate every single moment there. Um, the second thing is, is really understanding all of this about grief, uh, just understanding how uh, society doesn't necessarily, um, you know, know how to deal with it is, is very isolating. Um, my biggest message to, to anyone that, that knows somebody who's been going through grief, um, and we all have given COVID uh, over the last year, um, you know, really, uh, you know, really reach out to them. If you haven't talked to them in a while, just send them a text message saying, you know, hey, you know, I'm thinking about you, um, you know, hold, holding, you, holding you in my heart or giving you a big virtual hug, whatever it, else it is, you know, those very, very small things, very minute things um, can really have a big impact. And, and that's, you know, in a time and a place that we as grievers um, need it most. So, um, so I'm on, on a mission to kind of sharing my story in, in the hopes that, that others, um, other grievers and really friends, colleagues, and, and, and family of grievers um, have some more basis of, of knowing what they can do and what, what, what they shouldn't do. So, yeah. Yeah. And kind of like a, a final, but not really a final question, but it's like a closing question. You're now a children's author and you obviously you have lots of other little ventures that have kind of sprung off the back of this event. What brings you the most joy out of this new mission, this new life purpose that you've gone on? Yeah. I mean, the, the joy it's, um, and the path has been, 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 um, you know, just really unexpected. I would say, uh, it's, it's really been, uh, a road that I, I didn't know. I, I knew in the back of my mind, I kind of always wanted to write a children's book. I read <laughs> so many different children's books to, to my kids at night and they're not all made equal. Uh, not, not every book is, is, this, is, is really, uh, quality, but, um, what I wanted to, um, you know, what, what brings me a lot of joy is, is actually being able to, uh, to spread, spread her message, um, and, and really get this into hands of lots of readers that, uh, that don't know, you know, that, that will never know who she is as, as a person, but they'll, they'll know, get to know who, um, she is as, as, uh, as a spirit and as, as someone who, who can actually, um, bring them a lot of positivity and impact in their life. And so, um, you know, that, that gives me probably the most joy, uh, right now. Um, but what I will say is, um, I'm actually very grateful and, and we, we talk about, you know, in society, mindfulness and, and, and gratitude, um, you know, grateful for the time that I do have with my own children, um, that my living children, um, my family, and, and also grateful for the perspective that I have now, um, to really focus a lot of my energy and my day to day on, on helping others. Um, I'm still currently in, in, in a journey where I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's, what's next for me. Um, and, uh, and I'm taking off a little time to do that, but, uh, it's, it's really, you know, I, I think the, the higher purpose of finding fulfillment and, and I know you're, uh, this podcast about people explain, you know, really talks a lot about 
what people do for a living, you know, how they make money primarily, um, you know, from a financial standpoint. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of society's focus um, could actually be bettered by like seeing, you know, what actually brings people joy and fulfillment and, you know, money, it might be a means to an end, but at, at the end of the day, it'll, it'll bring us, you know, uh, a, a certain level of satisfaction. And then beyond that, um, it really comes from, from self-actualization, uh, from, from finding a higher purpose. And, and for me, it's, it's really about helping others and using my time that I do have here on earth. Um, because I, I know, you know, that, that, you know, that the quote live every, every day as if it's, as if it's your last, um, it could not be more real to me right now, uh, than, than ever. And so, um, that's what I'm, I'm really trying to do by, by getting the message out and, um, by being on awesome shows like yours, but, um, but really just trying to, um, find, find my way to help, you know, one other person. And actually I'll, I'll, I'll close by saying this. Um, I, I have been going to, you know, different grief groups. Um, there's, there's one called compassionate friends, um, with a lot of other, uh, lot a lot of other parents that, that have lost a child um we all share that in common but one man in particular he says um his his son died when he was uh, 17 years old um in a tragic car accident but john uh, this this man said um you know one thing that i do to try find happiness uh, and try to you know honor my son is actually making one stranger smile every single day and and it's it's a hard task to do if you think about it. it's you know you have to actually put yourself out there in the world and meet strangers but also just making them smile and 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 that could be as as simple as smiling back at them or uh, waving to them or whatever else it is um but just trying to bring there's little you know micro moments of joy to, to others is is um is, is very fulfilling where can the people find you online so I would say before doing this book, I didn't have that great of an online presence. Um, I have been building that slowly. So uh, Twitter, uh, it's Aviva's Daddy. Um, uh, also email, you can directly email me at avivasdaddy uh, at gmail.com. Um, but my website is is hanskulberg.com. So H-A-N-S-K-U-L-L-B-E-R-G. Um, you can find out uh, you know, all the different ways that uh, Aviva's having an impact on 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 this world. Um, there's a lot of other cool things that we're we're doing in her name uh, and her honor, other than the book. Um, I will be having another book coming out uh, probably next year, um, more on grief, but actually talking about it on uh, on, a, on a really fun way um, to children. And um, and then lastly, finally, I'll, I'll say you know if you want to check out the book, the easiest way is Amazon.com. Um, it's called Baby Aviva, Orangutan Diva. Um, and if you are inspired, if you are motivated, uh, please do leave a review because that is certainly the best place, uh, best way to really get, um, get, get the message out. So thank you. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.